Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening. Open up your Bibles, if you will, to Exodus chapter 35. And boy, oh boy, if ever there was a night to get your Bible out and follow along, this is that night. Exodus chapter 35 is where we're going to start, and we will be in the Bible a bunch this evening. This morning, I intentionally worked really out of just a single text there in Matthew chapter 28, because I knew that tonight was going to be so Bible heavy, and I didn't want to wear you out too much this morning, but I am going to wear you out tonight. But it's going to begin in Exodus chapter 35 in just a moment. So glad to see you all this evening. Glad to have everybody back. and Glad to have some additional folks that weren't with us this morning. Glad to have our visitors with us. Thank you so much for being here as we've come together this day to worship God in spirit and in truth, to glorify Him and to encourage one another. In Exodus 35, I just want to get right to it tonight. As Moses is giving some instructions to the Israelites about the things that would be necessary for the construction of the tabernacle, he says in verse number 5, in Exodus 35 and verse 5, Moses says, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. And whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze. This is, of course, the time of the year when many of us, maybe particularly many of our little ones, They are thinking about getting something very, very soon. There's a special date coming up on the calendar here in just a couple of weeks. And they're thinking about getting something on that day, receiving something on that day. That when Christmas rolls around, that there will be gifts under the tree with their name on it. And their hope is that they're going to get presents. And it is always a nice thing. It's a wonderful thing whenever somebody loves you enough, whether it's a, at Christmas time or a birthday or some other special occasion, somebody loves you enough to go out and buy you a gift and go through the painstaking process of wrapping that gift. I always hate doing that because I'm terrible at that. And there is, of course, a real joy and excitement and elation whenever you open that gift and you get something for yourself. That's a great thing. I like getting gifts just as much as the next guy. And I always try to have a, have a thankful heart when I receive something like that. A couple weeks ago, I preached about having a thankful heart and what all that requires in order for us to have that. When you're the beneficiary of someone's goodwill, you want to have a thankful heart. However, as important as it is to have that thankful heart, I wonder if maybe we need to kind of do a little bit of role reversal in that scenario. And maybe we need to put ourselves kind of on the other side of that equation. Then we need to stop and think about the importance of being the giver. In the words of Exodus 35 verse 5, the importance of having a generous heart. Because life most certainly is not all about getting, getting, getting. Gimme, gimme, gimme. No. For the people of God, our lives, at least one of the things that ought to characterize our lives, is a generous spirit. In Exodus 35 and verse 5, God's first covenant people, they were called to have generous hearts. To be a people whose love for the Lord would then motivate them to be filled with a spirit of generosity. And I'm here to say this evening that I want that. I want to have a generous heart, don't you? Well, this evening what we're going to do is we're going to let the Bible help us to that goal. And I do want to stress that the Bible is going to be doing all the work this evening. This evening I am abdicating the pulpit to the inspired and living Word of God. Tonight we just want to let the Scriptures speak 
And we want to hear the biblical appeal for generosity. Those of you that have been here for a while, you know what's about to happen because I've done this a couple of times before in previous years. In June of 2014, we heard the biblical plea for unity. In February of 2015, we heard the biblical case for the Creator. And in both of those lessons, if you'll remember, what we simply did was we just looked at the volume of material that the Bible contains on those specific subjects, and then we just let the Word of God speak for itself. Now certainly, maybe I ought to just interject this here, especially for the benefit of our visitors. There is certainly a time and a place for presenting the Word of God with force and with power, where we explain the Scriptures, and as a preacher we provide illustrations and we relate that to -to day-to-day life and give people motivation to live out the Scriptures in their life. There's a time and place for that. I did that this morning. Stick around long enough, I'll do it again. I do that quite regularly here. But you know what? There is also a time and a place for us to just step back And let's allow God to speak through His Word in the way that He says it. And then let that sword, Hebrews 4.12 talks about the Bible as being a sword. Let that sword penetrate into our hearts and into our minds. And let the Bible just do what no other book can do. And that is change us for the better. And so tonight, we want to be changed. We want to be changed by the Bible's call for generosity. And buckle up, because the Bible has lots to say in that direction. Now, as we get ready to do that, let me maybe just give you a little bit of fine print. Let me issue to you two disclaimers right now that I think just need to be stated. We're going to get them out of the way, and that way we don't have to keep fumbling all over this all throughout our time together tonight. First and foremost, you need to understand That biblical generosity does not mean supporting the lazy. I am certainly familiar with all of the passages in the Bible that condemn laziness. We've been reading this year in the wisdom literature. I hope you've noticed that in the book of Proverbs, the writer has lots to say there about lazy kinds of folks. And I am also familiar with what Paul says about if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I know those verses and I trust that you know those verses. But I am going to remind you, That the very same Holy Spirit who guided men to write those verses about laziness was also the same Holy Spirit who guided men to write all the verses that we're about to look at about generosity. And the Holy Spirit did not feel that every time he had an author write something about having a generous heart that he needed to then follow that up and qualify that statement by saying, be generous, but make sure you don't support the lazy. The Holy Spirit didn't feel the need to do that. And as a result, this evening, I'm not going to do that. We're going to read a bunch of verses and I'm not going to qualify it every time by saying, now make sure you don't go supporting lazy folks. Secondly, this evening, you need to realize that as we talk about biblical generosity, this most certainly is not going to be an infomercial for the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is an absolute abomination. This past week, I've been watching on YouTube all these videos of Robert Tilton. You might remember Bob Tilton. That was probably the most notorious of the prosperity gospel preachers back during the 1990s. And it is hard for me to talk about the prosperity gospel without getting pretty worked up and actually getting pretty angry. Because this idea that we give in order to get, that is absolutely foreign to the Scriptures. 
This thinking that I can somehow manipulate and maneuver God in such a way that He'll give me what I want as long as I you know, am generous a little bit over here and I share a little bit over there. God's going to then give me all the stuff that I should deserve in return. That is nauseating, I am sure, to the Lord. Prosperity gospel, it's all about self and it's all about selfishness. Whereas generosity, generosity is about others. Which means that in a very real way, the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel it sometimes is called, it is basically the opposite of Bible generosity. And so that, that's the fine print. Now let's get our Bibles out. And let's hear what the Word of God has to say about generosity with, I hope, very limited commentary on my part. And one of the first things that we notice when we open up our Bibles is that the Bible repeatedly tells us just how generous God is. Start with me in the book of Matthew, please, in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew 5 and in verse 45, this is the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5 and verse 45, Jesus says there, Matthew 5, 45, He says, So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for He, this is God, He makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good. And He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. How generous the Lord is. He's generous to all people, good and evil. In the book of James now, in James chapter 1, in James 1 we are reminded of the generosity of God once again. In James chapter 1, this is verse number 5. In James 1 and in verse 5, James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Drop down in that very same chapter, look in verse 17. James says, Every good gift, every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every single blessing that we receive, it is from God's generous hand. That then takes us back to the 23rd Psalm. Would you find Psalm 23? In Psalm 23, this is a psalm that I think very much is about God's generous care. In Psalm chapter 23, I want to just focus in on verse 5. In Psalm 23 and in verse 5, David says, "...you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies." You anoint my head with oil, notice this, my cup overflows. David says that God does not dispense blessings with an eyedropper. He says my cup overflows. How many of us ought to be able to say that exact same thing? And of course the greatest manifestation of God's generosity came in the greatest gift that God has ever given to man. That, of course, would be the sending of His Son, Jesus. I'm looking at Romans chapter 8 now. In Romans chapter 8, so many passages speak of this. We'll just look at a couple. In Romans chapter 8, I want you to notice how Paul uses God's generosity with Jesus to actually argue for God's generosity in all things. In Romans chapter 8 and in verse 32, in Romans 8 and in verse 32, Paul writes that He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? These are passages that remind us again and again of God's gracious generosity. One more verse in this connection in Ephesians chapter 1. 
In Ephesians chapter 1, I want to ask you to especially note the the language that's used here. Some translations may read differently here, but I am especially fond of how the ESV renders this. In Ephesians chapter 1 and in verse 7, talking about Jesus in Ephesians 1 verse 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Notice this. Which He lavished upon us. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Well, I appreciate that word there. In fact, I think in some ways that word starts to begin to capture the abundance of God's generosity. He lavishes His generousness upon us. And if generosity is, this is the dictionary definition, if generosity is the free and liberal bestowal of what someone else needs with no expectation of return, and I think that's a good definition, then doesn't that mean that God is really just the very personification of this idea of generosity? God is the very definition of what it means to be good and generous. And if we want to develop God-like characteristics in our lives, then we most certainly cannot walk around being Ebenezer Scrooge, miserly and hoarding and always just, you know, wanting for ourselves all the time. Because that's not how the Lord operates. And so the Bible then urges us to be like our Heavenly Father. We do that one way, by being generous. And one of the places that I believe that that's really strongly emphasized in the Bible is in the wisdom literature. I've noticed this this year. I've kind of been making note of these things as we've been reading along in Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. I hope you've noticed it too. Let's start in Psalm 112. In Psalm 112, as David, as the psalmist here, he describes the, the righteous man. Look at the qualities of the righteous man. In Psalm 112, this is verse 5. I'm glad to see kids doing this. This is a good exercise getting kids familiar with their Bible. Psalm 112, verse 5. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Let's add to that Psalm chapter 37. In Psalm 37, there's a startling contrast that the psalmist provides here. In Psalm 37, look with me in verse 21. In Psalm 37 and verse 21, David says here, The wicked borrows, but doesn't pay back. But the righteous, the righteous is generous and gives. Drop down in that same chapter, verse 26. Look at what it says about the righteous man's uh, children and what they become to him. He is ever lending generously... And his children become a blessing. Maybe just turn over a page or two now to Psalm 41. In Psalm chapter 41, the Bible most certainly does not teach the prosperity gospel. But it does teach that generous people, they will be blessed by God in all kinds of different ways. In Psalm 41, here's a great passage to show that. Psalm 41 verse 1, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemy. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness you restore him to full health. Can we add now to the Psalms? Can we add some verses from the Proverbs? Look at Proverbs 14. In Proverbs 14, let's listen to the wisdom of Solomon. And I want you to remember, said this at the very beginning of the year when we began to read Proverbs. What Proverbs really shows us is it shows us the best way to live. 
You know, so many things that the Bible talks about, you know, what's, what's good. Proverbs kind of specializes in best. What is the best way to live? And a huge part of the best way to live means being generous. In Proverbs chapter 14, I'm reading here in verse 21. Proverbs 14 verse 21. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Drop down in that chapter, verse 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. In the 19th chapter of Proverbs, in Proverbs 19, if you had to ask me to pick a verse of all the verses that we'll look at in the Bible that talk about generosity and ask me which one is my favorite, this one is it. Proverbs 19 verse 17, there is a concept that is conveyed here that's just stunning to think about. In Proverbs 19 and in verse 17, Solomon writes here, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will repay him for his deed. You just sit and soak in that for a second. Just hear it again. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will repay him for his deed. It's just incredible. Look in chapter 11 of Proverbs. In chapter 11, I'm reading here in verse 25. In Proverbs 11, verse 25, Solomon says this, Proverbs 11, verse 25, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. In Proverbs 22, one final verse in this uh, section, in Proverbs chapter 22, this is verse number 9. In Proverbs 22 and in verse 9, Solomon says here, Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. The wisdom literature, and that's just really just a sampling, but the wisdom literature repeatedly says that the people of God, they share with others. They share their bounty with those who are in need. And of course, that same message carries right on over into the New Testament Because it is Jesus who teaches so very much about generosity. I'm looking for Matthew chapter 5 again. In Matthew chapter 5, once again in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says in verse 40, in Matthew 5 and in verse 40, Jesus says there that if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Verse 42, give to the one who begs from you, And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Jesus stresses generosity, and this is actually just the tip of the iceberg. One of the ways that Jesus often would stress generosity would be, not just in just flat-out commands, but sometimes He would do that through special kind of teaching, through those things that we call parables. Look with me in Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew chapter 20, this is the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. You remember that in this story, there's a man who... He hires all of these laborers at different hours of the day. But at the end of the day, he decides he's going to pay all of them the same amount. Which, of course, causes those guys who work the longest amount of hours, causes those guys to get very, very upset. They start complaining. They start expressing ingratitude. And so the master then comes to them and he says the following. In Matthew 20 and in verse 15, the master says, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Generosity. That's a common theme in Jesus' teaching. In Matthew chapter 25, 
In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus paints a picture of the judgment scene. He talks there about how there's going to be the sheep and the goats and how they will be separated one from another. And the Lord, as He separates them, the Lord then speaks a commendation to those who are summoned to His right hand. Well, what does He commend those individuals for? Well, Matthew 25, verse 34 tells us, He will say to those on His right, Matthew 25, 34, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave Me food. I was thirsty, and you gave Me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed Me. I was naked, and you clothed Me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. What did all of these people do? Well, these people performed various acts of generosity. I want you to think about that. In fact, as I was putting all these passages together, this is probably the one that kind of really just punched me right in the heart. Think about how Jesus says that generosity will actually play a factor in judgment day. That's a sobering kind of thought. In Luke's Gospel now, let's get a couple of passages from Luke in Luke chapter 6. In Luke 6, this seems to be uh, either Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount or maybe a record of Jesus teaching a lot of the same things that Matthew 5 and 6 and 7 talk about, but maybe in a different setting. However, Luke 6 does give us some additional things that Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount doesn't give. In Luke 6 and in verse 38... Jesus says there, Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, He says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. Notice this last statement. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's about generosity, isn't it? How about in Luke chapter 10? This is another one of those parables we're very familiar with. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. In Luke 10, you know the story of the Good Samaritan. How this man, he finds this man injured on the side of the road. So he picks him up, puts him on the back of his donkey, takes him to the inn, and then out of his very own pocket, Luke 10 verse 35 says, Luke chapter 10 verse 35, the man takes money out of his own pocket and he takes out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. That's a really powerful illustration of generosity, especially when you understand the full context of what's going on in that story. In Luke chapter 18 now, in Luke chapter 18, I really hope you're seeing just how significant this generosity stuff is, particularly to Jesus because He talks about it so much. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus meets a man who is really, really, really rich. He has a lot of the world's goods. And in fact, on top of that, he thinks that he's doing pretty good spiritually. He's keeping the commandments and walking the straight and narrow. But Jesus says to him in Luke 18 and in verse 22, Jesus said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now, if you know what happens next, then you know that this guy goes away exceedingly sorrowful. Because he was unwilling to make the sacrifices that Jesus called for him to make. To be generous in this kind of broad way, this is what the Lord required of him. This is maybe probably a good example of someone who's anti-generous. Now, 
there's one more saying of Jesus that's worth adding to this list, and it's actually not found in any of the Gospels. In fact, it is one of the few statements that Jesus makes that we find outside of the Gospels, but we don't find anywhere else. It's in Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is talking with the Ephesian elders, and he says to them in verse 35, in Acts 20 and verse 35, in all things... I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, Jesus' teaching on generosity, no doubt, had a trickle-down effect on all of those who were His followers, who would be His disciples. And that is evident because it is woven throughout the fabric of the New Testament. In the New Testament, we just see generosity all over the place. Look in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, this is the day of Pentecost. The church is first established here. And look at what's said about those early Christians. 3,000 souls respond in baptism. And speaking of those men and women who had obeyed the gospel, Acts 2 verse 46 says that day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad... And I want you to notice this. Uh, Some translations don't use this word, but the ESV, I think, rightly does. With glad and generous hearts. Generous hearts, characterizing these folks right from the outset of their walk with God. Maybe just turn over a page to Acts chapter 4. In Acts 4, what did the church do whenever some of their very own were in need. Well, Acts 4 tells us what they did. In Acts 4 and verse 32, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. You keep reading in the next several verses, the text goes on to tell us how they sold their possessions, and they gave that money to the brethren there to assist and to help them in their poverty. And that is a pattern that we see again and again throughout the New Testament church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, for example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul spends the first five verses talking about and describing a benevolent need for those Christians in Jerusalem. He then says this in verse number 6. In 2 Corinthians 9 and in verse 6, he says the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Drop down in the text. Look in verse 13. He says, By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Think about that for a second. Paul's talking about being generous. And he says that I can actually help people to glorify God by being generous myself. Finally then, would you find 1 Timothy chapter 6? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, I used this passage a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about praying for our kids, different things that we want to pray for our children. And I used this passage to talk about how generosity is absolutely something that we want to pray for our children to possess. But... Even as I said all of that, I wanted to make sure that all of us grown-ups didn't forget to make application of that verse to our own lives. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and in verse 17, Paul says there, As for the rich in this present age, 
Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. All of these passages taken kind of in, in, in quantity and taking them in volume there, all of these passages show us that if we are going to truly be the people of God, then we must learn to be generous and ready to share from the wonderful and rich bounty that God has blessed each and every one of us with. Now, there is one other section that I did have prepared, and time's really not going to allow us to read all of the verses in this particular section, because there are just a number of really great examples of generous people in the Scriptures. For example, Genesis chapter 13, verses 8 and 9, speaks about Abraham's generous spirit. How he told Lot, Lot, you can have first choice. Here's all of this land here, and you get first choice. You take whatever you want of this land. You go wherever you want. I'm giving you the first shot at this. Abraham had a generous heart. Or I think about Job. I noticed this when we were reading Job 31 recently. Job talks extensively in Job chapter 31 about how he always sought to be generous to the poor, to the fatherless, to the needy. And Job said that if I ever fail to be generous, let my shoulder blade fall off my shoulder and let my arm be broken off of its socket. Job took generosity seriously. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, there's the wonderful example there of David. How he showed wonderful generosity to Jonathan's family, particularly to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. In Acts chapter 10, you know about Cornelius, don't you? All those wonderful qualities and attributes in the first couple of verses about this man, Cornelius. One of the things that's mentioned there is that he gave alms generously to the people. And then finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, let's actually read that one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Macedonians, they are commended by Paul for their generosity. And by proxy, that means that they are being commended by God for their generosity. And they are being commended for their generosity even though they themselves were living in very poor and abject conditions. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look in verse 1. Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Do you want to be noticed by the Lord the way the Macedonians were? Do you want to receive the commendation of God? The Macedonians, and in fact all of these examples from Scripture, they show us that God sees and God knows those who are generous. Now, having read all of those verses, I'll just be honest with you. I really don't think I need to say a whole lot in conclusion. Because the Bible this evening has spoken very clearly and it has spoken abundantly. Generosity must be a part of our character as Christians. And there is, I will say, as we've read these verses, one of the things that's dawned on me is that there is a richness that comes from recognizing that I have been so blessed. That God has given these things to me, and now I desire to share those things with others. There is a riches of spirit 
and a joy that comes from that that really cannot be duplicated and really cannot be found in any other venue. Which means that maybe just the takeaway from all of this this evening is that we need to be looking for opportunities. And we need to be looking for opportunities in an appropriate kind of way, but be looking for opportunities to share our blessings with others. I hope tonight that the time that we have spent together in reading these verses, and you may go home later and you may stumble upon all kinds of other verses that could be added to this list, but I hope these passages have impressed upon you as much as they have upon me that I have a greater desire to develop a generous heart. Now, as we extend the invitation of the Lord, can I just call your attention right back to that first category of verses there? That section that we looked at about God's generosity? Maybe the most famous verse in all the Bible that speaks of God's generosity would be that verse in John 3.16. God so loved the world... That He gave. He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. God is so generous. In extending this offer of salvation, He gave us the gift of His Son that makes that salvation possible. Why on earth then, may I ask, why would anybody refuse His generosity? There are people in this room this evening who have not yet accepted God's gracious gift of salvation. You may not think of it in this way, but it is absolutely true. You are refusing the generosity of God by your continued stubbornness to remain outside of Christ and to not be baptized for the remission of your sins. Why don't you make tonight the night that you put a stop to that? Well, stop being stubborn and instead, I'm going to accept and receive that gracious offer that the Lord has extended to me by putting Jesus on in baptism, having my sins washed away, being added to the family of God, and knowing the joys of what it is to be one of God's children. Can we help you to do that tonight? Brother or sister, if there is sin in your life, God is generous. He is generous with forgiveness. We will come to Him in humility, a desire to to do what's right once again, to be repentant. That's the attitude that we're looking for here in order to serve Him in an acceptable kind of way. We'll pray with you and we'll encourage you in whatever way that we can so that you can serve the Lord in a better way. Whoever you are, you need to know our Lord is generous. He is ready to give. You just need to come and you need to accept that gift. Won't you do that right now? Do it while we stand and while we sing.